Are you constantly on the go? The newly updated Jesus Calling mobile app makes it easy to feel God's presence wherever you are. Read devotions and scriptures, purchase products, take notes, and so much more. The app is available for purchase on both Apple and Android. Download it today. I've been in that pit of hopelessness. It's such an empty, scary, horrible place. And when one person comes and even just puts a crack in the wall of hopelessness and a little bit of light of hope, that's where my energy comes from. That's the fuel to keep moving towards my purpose in this life. Welcome to the Jesus Calling Podcast. The statement, God works through people in our lives, could just be a cliche until we start to really take notice of the people around us and begin to identify what they bring to our world. This realization provides a comforting perspective that shifts us from feeling alone in the world to a grateful understanding that God shows up through the people He uses to walk alongside us through the worst and greatest times of life. And in that, we see a little bit of the divine in the faces of our friends and family. Our guests this week articulate with great clarity how special people have helped them find their paths forward when it didn't seem possible to get there on their own. Kristen Smedley became an advocate within the blind community after becoming a mother to three children, two of whom are blind. She's given a TED Talk about her experiences and also hosts the podcast, Brilliantly Resilient. Donovan Carter is a former NFL player turned actor who makes it abundantly clear that his successes would not have happened without those who stood by him before he ever threw a football or landed an acting role. We'll start with Kristen's story. I am Kristen Smedley. I am a mom of three and an advocate in the blind community as well as co-host of the Brilliantly Resilient podcast. I had a lot of success in life and and my theory was because it had played out for very long, you set goals, make a plan, you work hard and you achieve it. And I was a box checker, you know, make the goal, check the box off. So I knew from the time I was very small that I wanted to be a teacher and I, I worked my whole life to do that and and landed that job and the husband and the McMansion home and all those things. And I had planned my whole life for those things, but I had dreamt my whole life to be a mom. I have a phenomenal role model in, in a mom and, and a grandmother and women around me that were good moms. So I dreamt my whole life to be an even better mom than I had as role models. When I was carrying my firstborn child in, in my belly, you know, you start off with, you find out you're pregnant and you just want a healthy baby. And then when you're like me, as my belly was growing, my dreams for him were growing. I mean, I went from, I just want a healthy child to, oh, I, don't, I didn't know if it was a boy or a girl. And I thought, oh, I know they're gonna be an athlete. Like, are they gonna be the next Mia Hamm or, you know, Mike Schmidt? And and will this baby be uh, a pitcher for the Phillies or, or catching touchdowns for the Eagles? And, and then you start to think valedictorian, summa cum laude, all those things and my dreams for this little human were, were ginormous by the time I, um, I gave birth to him. And, and Michael came into the world and was the happiest baby that I had known a lot of babies and a lot of kids. And I had never seen somebody so happy and pleasant and interested in, in everything. 
And I thought to myself, I have everything I worked for and dreamt of. And as much as people had said all my life, God shines his light on you. And I, it confirmed in that moment of looking at my Michael that he really does. He really did shine his light on me. And then at four months old, I was holding Michael and a, and, a, and a doctor said to me the worst four words that I have ever heard. Your son is blind. And I'm not proud of it, but my first question was, will he play baseball? The doctor looked at me like I was a little nuts and he said, no. And I said, will he drive? And he said, no. And I said, is he at least going to be able to go to school, have success there? And he said, probably not a regular school. I said, well, what do I do now? He said, I don't know what to tell you, but good luck. You know, when I was raised in a, in a firm foundation of faith and, and that God is good and he wants good things for you in this world. And I thought to myself, what kind of a God does this? This is hard. And it's, I mean, honestly, I thought it's mean. I mean, I'm looking at this perfect little person and all of my hopes and dreams for him were extinguished. Like I said, I'm not exactly proud of how my journey started, but I spent three years, the next three years, walking away from my faith because I just could not get my head around a God that would do something like this. I did kind of pray blindness away every night. Take this away. Take this away. Take this away. And every morning, Michael was still blind. And it this went on for three years of just, I was digging myself down deeper in the pit of hopelessness and I could not see a way out. And it wasn't until Michael was three and a half years old, um, I was actually pregnant with my second child and was ignoring all of the advice and numbers involved in the blindness that my son had, which is a very rare blindness, LCA-CRB1. And the stats were that you had a 25% chance of a second affected child. And I was trying to, I mean, I was digging deep to bring optimistic Kristen into the picture through that whole pregnancy that, you know, 25% is big, but 75% is bigger. There's no way that if there really is a God up there, there's no way he put me through this twice. I remember I was uh, sitting on the edge of my bed that morning and I was probably eight months pregnant. So you can imagine how big my belly was and, and realistic math major in college, Kristen showed up in my head and, and said, oh my goodness, 25% is a really big chance. We could be looking at another diagnosis. Now what do I do? And I went into <laughs> the ugliest of ugly cries 
you cannot do this to me again. You will not do this to me again. And then I kind of was you know, doing my negotiating and bargaining. And I said, you've known me for 32 years now. Of course, I could never handle this again. Like, I just can't do this. And, and if you are a God that's up there and are all good, then, then it, you know it's not good to hand me a second diagnosis. And when I was literally on my knees, a sobbing, ugly cry mess, I heard Michael coming down my hallway and Michael did not walk. He bounced and he, he skipped and he danced his way through the day. He still has a little bounce in his step. And he bounced into my room and, and he was standing right in front of me and had no idea I was sitting in front of him. And he said, mommy, are you in here? And I, I looked up and thought, are you kidding me? Like another sucker punch to my heart. You have to put it right in my face that Michael can't see me. I said, Michael, what do you need? And he said with his, all of the joy that just spills out of Michael in his little tiny body and his big glowing smiling face, he said to me, mommy, isn't this the best day ever? And I thought, oh my goodness, how could you possibly have a best day ever? You're missing so much in this world and your road is going to be all struggle. And I asked him the best question I, I have ever asked him. I said, Michael, why do you think it's the best day ever? And he said, the sun is shining and I have all my toys and mommy, I'm just so happy. And, you know, I... If Hollywood were to produce this moment on film, there would be a lightning bolt that came down and hit my heart and fireworks would go. And that's exactly what I experienced in that moment. It was like God took a freight train and hit me in the head and said, Kristen, look at this little person. Blindness is not bothering him. It's bothering you. He is figuring everything out. He had spent three and a half years on, on this planet doing all the things he wanted to do. And I realized also in that moment that I hadn't armed him with any of the tools of blindness. I just kept praying in way and hoping it away. And he was still, still figuring it out and, and having a great life. And I, I will say, in that moment, my miracle happened, and it was my blindness of Michael's life and his purpose in this world that was cured. The only way I knew how to take a step forward was I started looking at it from Michael's point of view. And Michael's point of view was, oh, every day is the best day ever. And I, I committed at that moment to making sure that I was his number one guide in this world to get him the tools that he would need to do the things that would fulfill his purpose in this world, not my dreams for him. I would love to say that when Mitchell was born and was diagnosed at, at about four months old also with the exact same blindness, I'd love to say that I was good to go. I had my miracle moment and I was just fine. I wasn't. Honestly, it, it, uh, it took the wind out of my sail and crashed me again, but only for a couple of weeks because here's what I realized. When Mitchell was diagnosed, what snapped me out of, of the sadness quickly 
was Michael bouncing around the house and bouncing around life. I thought that was what I needed. I needed the role model that would show me that blindness was only a barrier if I allowed it to be. Blindness was a mere inconvenience to Michael every now and again. And um, with that knowledge and that little three and a half year old role model, that's how I was able to take Mitch and Michael by the hand and, and jump into an extraordinary life. I mean, I think about the dreams I had for them. It, it, if I would have forced those dreams on them, it would have limited their lives in excruciating ways because, you know, I had envisioned the baseball pitcher and, and scoring the winning touchdown. Michael and Mitchell were both, they, they wanted to go into the regular little league in our town at 9, 10, 11, and 12 years old. They played, they both have won, been on baseball, uh, championship baseball teams, and they were voted all-stars. They were contributing in very major ways to those teams with just a few adaptations. And that has played out in their entire lives. They have outachieved almost everyone in their in their public schools when they were in K-12. They've been in the blind community. They are top in the uh, Braille Literacy International Challenge competitions. I mean, they have just taken on everything they've wanted to do. And Michael is about to graduate Penn State University. He's in the top 0.5% of 10,000 graduates. And Mitchell was in the top 3% of all the high school seniors that took the SAT last year. He's thriving as a college freshman, has a, a country music radio show that is top in the charts. To say that they are thriving and succeeding is, is almost an understatement. However, none of that would have been possible if my perception of blindness and their lives and their journey had not changed. And the other part of the equation was access to the resources and the adapted stuff that they needed to achieve all the things that they wanted to achieve. And I will also say as a, as a proud mom and another, another um, element of just how, how much kids can soar without the weight of, of our dreams on them, you know, I, I had envisioned Michael as the valedictorian, and he never knew that. But he became, he was the valedictorian of his high school class. And um, he stood on that stage with thousands of people in the audience because his class was over 600 kids in that graduating class. It, it was an extraordinary moment. And Michael talked about in his speech that you need to build a team around you to do the things that you want to do, but you can't do everything yourself. So build a team. And he also told that, that crowd that you need to look up and see who needs you, <laughs> who needs you on their team, because nobody should go about this alone and you need to be out there looking for who you can help. I think the greatest blessing in all of this is that, you know, there's a saying that God doesn't call the qualified he qualifies the called, right? And to be able to go from crying on the couch, crashing to the floor, having no idea how to handle this, to being able to create the resource that I needed 22 years ago, to be able to create that and be that for other people now is, it's extraordinary. And it's proof that 
although we don't always agree with it, understand it, and can debate it, till the cows come home, God's plan is an extraordinary plan if we look at it through his lens and allow it to happen and have the patience for it to happen. And honestly, to know where I began this journey, to see where I'm at now, and how many thousands of people reach out to me to be the resource to help them or their child thrive is extraordinary. So I made Jesus Calling part of my morning routine. It has carried me a long, long way. And I, I think what I love the most about it is I am not a, I am not a um, spit off a Bible verse at any second. I would have to really dig deep to remember some Bible verses. But I love how it gives you the biblical part so you know it's truth. No matter what I'm going through, it starts my day in a positive um keeping that lens on God's plan, not my plan. It's been extraordinary for me. This is a passage from the Jesus Calling for Moms devotional. I continually call you to closeness with me. I know the depth and breadth of your need for me. I can read the emptiness of your thoughts when they wander away from me. I offer rest for your soul, as well as refreshment for your mind and body. As you increasingly find fulfillment in me, other pleasures become less important. Knowing me intimately is like having a private wellspring of joy within you. This spring flows freely from my throne of grace, so your joy is independent of circumstances. Waiting in my presence keeps you connected to me, aware of all that I offer you. If you feel any deficiency, you need to refocus your attention on me. This is how you trust me in the moments of your life. I have so many things going on and, and plates spinning in the air and, and kids to, that need me and all these great things that I'm able to do in this world. And so many times it gets overwhelming. You know, am I enough? Am I doing enough for all the people that I serve? And then when I get to read something like that and know that I can sit or, you know, go for a run like I do and know that it isn't on my shoulders. Joy is independent of circumstances. I just turned 50 this year and I have learned that and am loving living that right now. I am in full joy, no matter, there's actually nothing in my life going according to plan right now and I am still in full joy of what is good and great and extraordinary in my life. To learn more about Kristen's work advocating for the blind community, please visit kristensmedley.com. And be sure to check out our book, Thriving Blind, Stories of Real People Succeeding Without Sight, wherever books are sold. Stay tuned to Donovan Carter's story after a brief message. Motherhood. It's a journey like no other, teeming with love, unparalleled dedication, and moments that pierce the very essence of your soul. It's a trek that demands to be celebrated, lauded, and embraced in its entirety. Celebrate the moms in your life this Mother's Day with two beautiful gift books, Jesus Calling for Moms by Sarah Young and Grace for the Moment for Moms by Max Licato. These heartfelt devotionals will remind the moms in your life just how special they are. Jesus Calling for Moms and Grace for the Moment for Moms are available now where all books are sold.
During times of transition and unknown next steps, it's more important than ever to cling to the promises of God and to tune your ear to what Jesus has to say. Jesus Calling for Graduates is an encouraging compilation of 150 devotions from Sarah Young's brand. Grads will find topics such as discerning God's will, self-worth, trust, support, and much more. Jesus Calling for Graduates is perfect for both high school and college graduates as they embark on the next chapter. Look for our special custom edition of Jesus Calling for Graduates, available exclusively at faithgateway.com. Donovan Carter is an actor and former football player who credits the many people in his life who helped him navigate the competitive, tricky life in Hollywood. He looked to his father for discipline, his mother for her honesty, his grandmother for her faith, and his coaches for instruction how to work well with others, giving him the template of the man he is striving to be. My name is Donovan Carter. I am from Los Angeles, California. I was born in Washington, D.C., but raised in Southern California. I am an actor. Growing up, uh, I had my father, my mother, and my stepmother that uh, raised me. So growing up was, uh, it was a blessing. I played t-ball when I was five and I played um, football when I was nine. So I always loved sports, um, always loved competing and uh, the camaraderie and being around uh, my teammates and my coaches. My dad definitely installed discipline. He was in the military when he was young. So that's where he got a lot of his discipline from and my grandparents. But, uh, you know, my dad got me, you know, early when I was a kid. I didn't I didn't like it at first, but it got me up early in the morning, running, doing drills, uh, working out, training. You know, I went to church with my grandma when I was young, but I really wasn't like in the word word like that. But uh, but had an amazing childhood, got to experience a lot of things, got to have fun, got to make mistakes, you know, got to learn from those and uh, and ultimately got to. Uh, compete and go to get a scholarship to go to UCLA for college. You know, picking your school, like it impacted everything I've done to this day. But I was just happy to get a, a scholarship from prestigious school like UCLA and that they acknowledged my game. So I honestly didn't know what I wanted to do. I just love sports and I love hanging out with my friends. And, uh, and you know, naturally I just got good at it. And I, and I was just like, you know what? I'm good at football. I like it. Why not, you know, try to go to NFL? and then. Once I do that, maybe I'll figure out some, another passion. So when the NFL didn't pan out, um, it was it was a shock. Like it was definitely a heartbreak. I played football since I was 10 years old and I stopped, I think my last year playing, I was about 23, 24. So it was definitely, um, you know, like the love of your life breaking off with you. Like you propose and they say no. When it didn't pan out, I was depressed, was in my house for like a month or two, just, you know, just feeling bad for myself, just depressed because I just didn't know what was going to happen next. And, uh, and eventually, you know, I just got up. I was like, you know, what? whatever I do, it's not in this house. I got to get out. I got to figure it out. And I got to, uh, you know, I'm in the real world now, like they say, when you're an adult. So I had to hustle out to figure out my next move. One of my teammates at UCLA, he gave me Jesus Calling the book as a present. So, you know, I read it and I loved it because I love devotions like that. You know, I love reading the Bible 
as well. But I love, you know, each day you got a certain thing, you know, to work on or certain thing that God wants you to think about. The word friend is so loosely just said because you could be friends on Instagram, social media. You know, everybody is quick to say this friend word. But, you know, for me, you know, being a friend is a sacrifice. And, you know, Jesus said he lays his life down for his friends. Some of your people that you ask, that you call friends, when they do the same thing. You know, I'm just so thankful that I have a friend like Jesus that really looks out for me and that, you know, wants to see me do well and is with me, you know, every step of the way. It's such a beautiful book. Like Sarah Young, I hope I meet her one day. She's amazing. She's changing lives out here every day. And uh, I appreciate her so much. I heard it say the other day, you know, sometimes you got to do what you have to do until you do what you want to do. And at the time, you know, I was just hustling. I was I was waiting tables. I was doing security. I was uh, I was working with kids. I was just, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a young man out of college in Los Angeles, all, you know, not on my own. But, you know, I'm an adult now. My parents did all they can do for me at the time. And, you know, they was like, you know what? It's on you. So this was just, you know, just trying to figure out, you know, how to how to make it. And um, and I just, you know, kept staying in the word, kept praying, kept talking to God, you know, I, I, whatever, whatever you got for me, Lord, just let me know. And uh, and I went back to I went to my school, talked to my coaches and they gave me opportunity to uh, they gave me a number to a commercial agent. So I started doing commercials like background, you know, and, and I was an extra. And then randomly one day I got another email about auditioning for the show I was on. It was on HBO with Dwayne Johnson. And I just randomly got an email, followed up with the email, never acted before in my life, never took an acting class or anything. So of course, at first, you know, fear set in and anxiety and, you know, just a whole bunch of emotions because I've never did this before. And uh, I had to talk with my dad and my dad was just telling me, he's like, man, just go for it. You know, what's the worst they're going to, the worst they're going to say is no. So he got, you know, after talking with him, I went for it. I had to audition 10 times for three months and I uh, got blessed with the part. I loved it. It was so much fun. Like as soon as I stepped on set and I did my scene, I said, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. I would love to keep acting. Uh, I would love to be on another series, another movie. Uh, I would love to get behind the scenes. So honestly, you know, I'm just living by faith right now, not by sight. Whatever God, you know, has for me, I do my best to not be anxious and, and worried. I mean, of course it comes up, but you know, it's okay. I know God has me and he's blessed me so far. He's blessed me to this point right now. And, you know, I just do my best to look at what he's done for me and where I came from. Because honestly, every time I've been down or, you know, I, I, I've been broke, you know, in the past and I've had nothing and, you know, here comes God again, you know, out of nowhere, just blessing me again. So, you know, one of my favorite scriptures is, you know, in Philippians, do do not be anxious or worry. God always has it. So, but at the end of the day, I just I just know everything's gonna be okay. I don't know when or where or how, but I know it's gonna come through God. And you know, I just stay in the Word, stay prayed up, and just do my best to stay positive. As an athlete, we know how to work hard, you know? So I just took all the tools I learned from growing up, from what my parents taught me, what my coaches taught me, and just, you know, apply that to my new passion. And um, and I just always wanted to get better. That was my thing. Like, I want my legacy 
to be that, you know, I was a person that worked hard, worked smart, um, you know, selfless and, you know, always just looking out for others. You know, that's my thing. I want to see everybody, uh, you know, get to where they want to get if they want to get there. And I always I just want to, you know, lift as I climb and just encourage people. You know, if you want to do something in this world, you could do it. You know, it's not going to be easy, um, but it's not it's not going it's not going to be impossible. But if you want to do it, you know, just do it. It's, but it, it, it just, you know, it takes time, like with everything. And, it, you know, and it's all about the, the journey as well. You know, God is with you all the time. You know, you might not be there physically, but he's there. You know, he's there inside of you. He's there with people around you. God, you know, made me fearfully and wonderfully made. And then I could do, I could attack anything in this world. Um, you know, if I went to and if I had the right mindset. And uh, yeah, I'm just so appreciative of just, you know, just him in my life. And, you know, he can he can make peace out of adversity, you know, cause I feel like in life, we all go through adversity. We all go through ups and downs. And I'm just, just happy that I can find peace in the Lord and that I can find a friend in him that's always there. And, uh, and yeah, I'm just, you know, just appreciative of of the challenges every day that he puts me through and the blessings as well. To learn more about Donovan, visit DonovanWCarter.com. If you'd like to hear more stories about the power of people in our lives, check out our interview with Derek Evans. Next time on the Jesus Calling Podcast, we'll hear from the author of the iconic book, The Five Love Languages, Gary Chapman, who shares his classic insight into how we can express our love to others in a way that reaches their hearts in the way they long to be reached. By nature, we speak our own language. If we don't know anything about the love languages, we will simply do for our spouse or the other person that we're expressing love to. We will do what we would want them to do for us or say to us. If it's not their language, it will not mean to them what it would mean to you emotionally. And that's why it's important to discover the other person's primary love language. Want to hear more inspirational stories of people who have been changed by a closer walk with God? Then subscribe today to the Jesus Calling Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And please be sure to leave a review, which helps us reach and inspire others with these stories. Plus, if you like seeing our guests as well as hearing them, you can find video interviews available on our YouTube channel at youtube.com Jesus Calling Book on Facebook and on the Jesus Calling Instagram page.